This is the Perfect Pup Podcast, helping you build a better relationship with your pup. Presented by Pupford. Hello, pup parents, and welcome to today's episode of the Perfect Pup Podcast. My name is Devin. I am very, very excited for today's episode for two reasons. Number one, we have an amazing guest on. We have Karen Chapdelaine. Thank you, Karen, so much for, for joining us on this episode. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be fun. I'm so excited. And, and the second reason I'm excited, um, we're talking about a topic that is, we, we were talking a little bit before we started recording, It's kind of has some like taboo things to it. There's a lot of probably misunderstandings and misconceptions about this topic. And so I'm excited that we're going to dive into the basics of dog aggression. And I'm going to put a quick disclaimer that when we're talking about aggression, reactivity, those types of things, it is so important to get the help of a help of a professional. We, you know, have Karen on answering questions for us and giving us kind of context, but you know, she's not diagnosing your specific dog or your specific dog situation. So if you are dealing with aggression, reactivity, anything like that, and you are concerned about, you know, your dog's behavior, please, please, please consult a you know, positive reinforcement based trainer in your area that can help you out and help you because it's a topic that shouldn't be um, neglected, number one, and shouldn't be left to just any old person on the internet telling you something. Would you agree with that, Karen? 100%. This is something that needs to be handled on a one to one basis. Um, blanket statements, blanket information is not going to be what helps your dog, you need to get the full history um, and individual care for your dog. 100%. And with that being said, we are still going to provide value on this podcast. This episode, we're going to help you hopefully understand some misconceptions and just give you at least a framework for if you start to see something, um, you know, you're, you're aware of at least kind of how to maybe, I don't want to say diagnose it, but start to understand it and have an idea of, of how um, you should approach it. But before we dive into that, I do want to give um, an overview, a uh, little background of Karen. Um, if this is her first time on the podcast, you have maybe seen her on Pupford's Instagram and other social media. She's in um, the Pupford Facebook community as well, giving answers there and engaging with people. But um, want you listeners to know kind of who you're going to be hearing from. So Karen um, works with reactive and aggressive dogs, and that's her specialty. That's kind of her bread and butter um, she's been working with dogs professionally for almost six years, um, and she is the proud guardian of an eight-year-old reactive German Shepherd named CJ, which is, you know, kind of the, the starting point, the catalyst for her becoming a dog trainer and, you know, specializing in aggression cases. Um, she also has, I'll, I'll read through all the certifications real quick here. I'm, I'm looking over here for those on video, sorry. Um, it, it's all these letters, I hope I get all of these right, and you can correct me if I don't, but CPDTKADNCET, which is Diagnostic Canine Enrichment Technician, awesome, fear-free certified, and an AKC CGC evaluator. So those are a lot of letters. They obviously have a lot more meaning to them than just letters, but real quick, maybe do you want to like talk about any of those certifications, maybe specifically the... Uh, um, DNCET. I don't, I'm truthfully not certain I've heard of that one before. What, what, tell me a little about that one. Absolutely. So it is a relatively new certification. I'm not exactly sure when it 
first came about, um, but it is basically setting up enrichment plans for people and their dogs. Um, enrichment is kind of the hot new topic in dog training right now, and it has a lot of great uses for dealing with aggression. Um, so it's just specifically designing plans to individual dogs, not just blanket enrichment ideas. Nice. I love that. That's, that's awesome. I, uh, like you said, is a, it is a hot topic and it is one that I am so grateful that I have learned more about because it has made the world a difference for my dogs. And we'll, I'm sure we'll touch on this a, a little bit as well, but again, thank you for coming on. I'm so excited because we were talking a little bit before we started recording, just that aggression, it, it is a difficult topic. And for those of you listening and you might hear the word aggression and think, oh, well, my dog's not aggressive. I don't need to tune into this episode. I'm telling you, you might be wrong because there are a lot of things that it's important to understand as someone who, who has a dog. If you are a pup parent, you know, you, you will be interacting with other dogs who might have these types of things. Your dog might develop it later on. It's not always something that, you know, your dog always has. It can come about at later times in their life. So please, you know, stay tuned because there's going to be a lot that you're going to learn. So let's dive right into it. And I, you know, the first thing, I think the thing that's most important to ask is what actually is dog aggression? Is there a definition? Is there a way to say that's aggression? That's not? What, what is it? So aggression in dogs, um, it's, it is kind of hard to define because aggressive behaviors can also look like normal, natural dog behaviors. Um, but typically your typical um, idea of what aggression looks like, you know, snarling, growling, showing teeth, um, the hackles going up on your dog's back, um, those things can be signs of aggression. But aggression is essentially behaviors used by your dog to create space from something that they don't want to be involved in. And I mean, I would venture to say that that's likely because they are scared, correct? More often than not, aggression is fear-based, um, but there can be cases of true aggression where your dog just doesn't like what's happening and um, wants to inflict um, pain on another animal. Um, it doesn't have to be just dogs. It can be cats, birds, rabbits, squirrels, um, all kinds of things. Gotcha. That's good to know. And, and I, I've heard it. I, I don't know how much delineation there is between the two, but I mean, maybe briefly, can you tell me like how you approach things or is there a difference in aggression when we're talking about dog to dog versus dog people? Yeah, there certainly is. Um, it, it typically does look the same um, as far as the behaviors your dog is offering. Um, we typically see dog to dog aggression a little bit more frequently than dog to human, um, but they can both happen to any dog at any time. Um, that makes sense. So maybe to kind of like emphasize even more this first question or ask it even further, how can someone, and I'm, I'm guessing there's probably not a simple answer, but how can someone know 
if it is aggression versus normal dog behavior like because i know you said like you said sometimes the snarling or the growling like that can be normal dog behavior where, where how do you draw the line or or how can people get a better idea of how to draw a line between the two you know normal behavior and aggression Sure. So like you said, that is a very difficult question to answer because it does differ dog to dog. Um, but typically aggressive behaviors you will see much more frequently. Um, if it is just normal dog behavior, it is very short. It's not a prolonged um, display of aggression. Um, if it is actual aggressive behavior, your dog is typically offering it much more frequently um, throughout the day, day to day, things like that. Normal behavior, you see it when your dog is playing or when they have a bone or something like that. So it's not quite as frequent or as prolonged. Gotcha. That, that's a great answer. That makes a lot of sense. You mentioned a bone there, right? That is another point that I think for a lot of pup parents, especially first time pup parents, they, you know, give their, their pup, you know, whatever, maybe it's a pup for chew and they go walk near their dog or they go to grab it and their dog snarls. And, and it's, you know, that those kind of first signs of resource guarding is resource guarding aggression, or is that just normal dog behavior in most cases? So that's a great question. I'm actually working on a case right now with that. And I like to tell people that it is normal dog behavior, especially in the beginning. Again, if it is prolonged and it starts to happen every time your dog has anything um, and your dog is escalating up the scale of aggression, then we would want to treat it more as an aggressive case. But Resource guarding is normal, natural behavior. It happens from the moment your puppies are born. Um, so it's, it's normal, it's natural. And I always tell people to, the best way to create a resource guarding and aggression problem is to always be taking stuff away from your dog. Let your dog be a dog, let them enjoy their stuff. We can certainly teach them better behaviors when we need to take things away from them. But if we're always going and taking stuff away, our dog is probably going to work up that aggression ladder. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. One, I didn't prep you on this question, so hopefully I, I uh, <laughs> am not putting you too much on the spot, but in, in your experience working with different aggressive dogs and reactive dogs as well, what are the typical reasons that dogs become aggressive or is there some, I mean, is there a rhyme or reason to it? Is some of it unknown? What, what have you seen in, on that front? Well, it can be really difficult to pinpoint why your dog is being aggressive. However, when I take on any new case, the first thing I have them do before I even see them in person is to do a complete medical workup. Um, it is very typical not always the case, but it is typical that the aggressive behaviors we're seeing is because our dog is trying to convey something to us about the way they feel. Um, it can be as some, something as simple as an ear infection causing them to act out, or it can be something as complex as a chemical imbalance in their brain. And um, I cannot prescribe medication, so I always have people go to the vet first. And 
from what I understand, again, I'm not a professional dog trainer, but from with my understanding that is kind of part of that humane hierarchy of very first thing is figure out if there's just something wrong, because just like you and I, you know, if, if I, if I have a really bad cold, I'm probably going to be a little bit grumpy. I might like snap a little more if people, you know, someone asked me to do something, I'm not going to be in my normal state of mind. And so I think that's so important to re remind and just kind of let people know of like, even outside of aggression, even outside of reactivity, if you see something weird, like a new behavior change, you need to look at the health side of things. And, and you know, like you said, go to a health professional that can help. My, um, yes, this dog, I was verifying is the right one. Um, this dog here, Sunny, she has um, hip dysplasia. And it's, it's, we, it's not too bad. There are dogs with much worse cases, but because of that, she is a little more kind of protective when she plays. She's kind of a little bit more on guard because, you know, it's hard for other dogs to know that she has hip pain. And so she has to be a little more reserved. And, and sometimes that can lead to, you know, her not being as excited to play with other dogs. But, you know, if we weren't aware of that, we would just think, oh, why, why does she not like other dogs? What's wrong with her? That type of thing. So great reminder to, you know, check off that box of, of health issues first. Um, and, and, the next question I have for you is if you're looking at your dog and if I'm understanding correctly, oftentimes real aggression, it, it's happening more frequently. But if you're, if you go, let's say for example, you know, you go to the, the park and your dog's interacting with another dog and they're playing well, but then, you know, your dog maybe gives like a really deep growl or snaps at the other dog and you think, Oh no, like, is my dog aggressive? What happened? What do I need to do? Like, what what do you recommend for pup parents in that situation when you have kind of those scary moments where you're like, wow, my dog behaved in a way I've never seen before. It felt aggressive. It felt not like something I've normally seen. How do you tell pup parents to approach that? So I always like to tell people to first and foremost, take a deep breath. Um, because when these behaviors start to show up, we tend to immediately blame ourselves and something we did and something we caused. Um, but taking a deep breath, take a step back um, and just look at the entire picture um, because something, again, your dog could have stepped on a rock while he was playing with that dog. And it, we thought it was a dog to dog aggression situation, but your dog hurt himself and reacted to it. Um, so look at the big picture, take a breath, um, and it'll be all right. We'll get through it together. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Because I, I think that is something we forget as pup parents is to remember context, right? Like even with dog, our dog's body language, right? Like panting is normal, but if, you know, it's not hot outside, panting can mean something totally different. So looking at the context and understanding like you said, there's a lot more that goes into it than just that one experience, that one instant that kind of sticks out in our mind. Um, and on that note, you mentioned, I know you mentioned, I think the word you used was ladder of aggression or what, what was that phrase that you said? I believe, I think you're right. I think I said ladder of aggression. There is a technical term for it. Um, I don't know if it's hierarchy of aggression. Um, I can't remember currently, um, but it, it does progress up the, up the ladder. Um, and I do like to always tell people that on that ladder of aggression, growling may be somewhere in the middle towards the high end, if I'm remembering correctly, 
But growling is incredibly polite behavior in the dog world. Um, we humans take it very personally, um, but growling is polite. And then on top of that, if a dog snaps and doesn't make contact, that dog intended to only snap and not make contact. Um, specifically with us humans as well, we are not fast enough to get out of the way of a dog that wants to bite us. If a dog wants to bite us, they will make contact. But if a dog just ear snaps, they were not intending to actually inflict pain um, because dogs don't actually want to be aggressive. They don't want to start a fight. Um, so air snaps and growling, as scary as they are and as high up on the ladder of aggression as they are, they're really polite behavior in the dog world. Yeah, I, I once had someone explain it to me, like, you know, if you're standing in line and someone is literally standing within inches of your back, you know, first you're going to take a step forward if they come back right behind you again, you're going to maybe try that again. And then after that, you're probably going to turn around and say, Hey, can you, can you back up? And if they don't, after that, you might start yelling at them because you want your personal space. You don't want them to be there. And you know, that's kind of what our dogs do in many cases, or at least from my understanding is they're you know, they try to give themselves space, give themselves space. If they don't, it's like, Hey man, back up, please. Like I need a little bit of space. So I, I, I love that reminder that, you know, even those, things that can be perceived as like very, very bad um, are, and I say bad in air quotes as well, because it's like, it's not all, it's not bad in every instance. There are, you know, our dogs need a way to communicate with us and to communicate with um, other dogs around them. And, and on that note, maybe just like a little sidebar into body language. What are there like specific body language signals that you see that say to you as a trainer, oh, that's more of aggression and that's more of just normal dog behavior? I know we've kind of talked about this already, but like, I, I know that a lot of people are listening and probably thinking, well, okay, like, is it normal? Is it aggression? Like, do I need to freak out? Do I need to be worried? Like, are there body signals in particular that can dictate aggression versus normal behavior? So yes and no. Um, again, the, the dog world, especially body language, is very tricky because, again, you have to look at the whole picture. Um, for instance, everybody thinks hackles going up on your dog's back, which is the hair rising on their back, um, means aggressive. But that's not always the case. Um, more often than not, when the hackles go up, your dog is over aroused or overstimulated or just excited. Um, but we humans, we go, oh, that's aggressive behavior. Like I said, it's normally just overexcited. Um, but sometimes in a bigger picture or in a different picture, it can be a sign of aggression. Um, the most obvious aggressive signs would be your dog's, the commissures of your dog's mouth, which is the like little corner area. They pull them back really, really tight. And then their whisker beds get really prominent. Like you can see little dots all over. Um, and then their ears, again, this depends on the breed of dog, um, but ears tend to go back to protect the ears to get flattened to the head. Um, and you'll see really wide eyes. Um, those would be probably the most typical. But again, 
they don't always equal aggressive. So you have to look at the whole picture. I love it. Thank, thanks for that info. That's good. A lot of good information. And again, good reminders of look at the entire picture, like you're saying, because there's so much more than that one kind of snapshot, that one moment that often we look at and say, this is troublesome. There was probably a lot of things leading up to that. So a couple more questions. When you are starting to work with an aggressive dog, um, I know that you said, you know, you'll do have the pup parent do a health evaluation first, just to rule anything out on that front. Um, beyond that, or, or I guess maybe the next step, what, how do you approach your clients who have aggressive dogs or even reactive dogs? What's kind of the first, uh, what, what's the next step after clearing health issues? So again, it's going to look different for um, every dog, but I like to start our first session um, with just really the basics. Um, going back to using um, a marker word or a clicker, because um, most people that I see don't even use that. Um, and I think it's very, very helpful to have a marker word or use of a clicker to capture behaviors. Um, and a lot of times just brushing up on the basics in a controlled environment and going over um, thresholds and just the basics of where we're gonna progress from here is the best place to start. Um, and then I just, I like to tell people about um, the stoplight, I call it. Um, I'm sure I didn't come up with that, <laughs> but the, the thresholds working under thresholds is the green light, yellow light, red light, things like that. Um, and just setting them up for success because I don't live with you, unfortunately. We get to work together an hour a week. So I want to give you as much information as I can to set you up for success. That makes sense. And I, again, such a good reminder of oftentimes, even outside of aggression with our dogs, it's let's go back to the basics. Let's, you know, when's last time? And I wasn't, yeah. When was the last time that you did dedicated training or, or you know, are, are you needing to brush up on things? Because I, I find that for myself as well, where, you know, if I'm out at a park and, and maybe my dog doesn't come back as quickly as I would like them to, or, or maybe they ran off, I'm like, man, why is this happening? And then I think back like, huh, I probably haven't done enough actual recall training in the past couple months. I should probably start brushing up on that, going back to the basics. So a great reminder on that. One of the kind of last questions that I have for you is what should you not do if you are seeing aggressive signs or what are some things that you have seen pup parents do that can actually make the problem worse? So, <laughs> um, going at it alone would be my first um, because there is just too much misinformation available to us nowadays um, and you can make the wrong decision um, even with positive reinforcement training um, because you can be marking behaviors that you didn't intend to. Um, so making use of a certified professional in your area is going to be the best thing to do. Um, and then staying away from the quick fixes or the adverse tools. Um, when you're dealing with an aggressive dog, unfortunately, you're dealing with those behaviors for life. Um, we can teach them better behaviors, 
but that those aggressive behaviors and tendencies are always just in the back of your dog's mind. Um, so we don't want to exacerbate them by um, using adverse tools um, and things like that. So just get with a professional trainer, get with your vet, um, and we'll come up with a plan for you to help teach your dog better behaviors. Quick follow-up on that. I, you know, at, at Pupford, we really try to adhere to, you know, methods like least intrusive, minimally aversive, you know, humane hierarchy, all that good stuff that is tried, tested, and true. But can you expound a little more about why using, you know, aversive tools can make the aggression work? Because I think in a lot of people's minds, it's like, well, you know, I, 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 I don't know if I have an alternative or I don't know if, if there is another option or, you know, like you said, maybe someone online told them to use an aversive tool to help overcome biting or something like that. What have you seen? Like what, I don't, I don't know, like what does that do to a dog when they're already maybe exhibiting aggression or reactivity and then you add in more aversives? What happens to the dog? So it can actually do a number of things. Um, the first thing is that these tools aren't designed to teach our dogs what we want them to do instead. They're designed to suppress the behavior. And when you suppress a behavior long enough, eventually it's gonna boil over and come back 10 times as strong. On top of that, we may be thinking we're conveying something to our dog when we're not. And what our dog can actually be putting together, we'll take shock collars, for example, and your dog is reacting to other dogs and you go, okay, we're gonna use this tool. You put it on, your dog starts to react to a dog. So you zap them and then your dog stops barking at that dog. So we think we've gone and solved the problem. But then the next time you see your dog, your dog reacts even harder because they can put it together that that dog zapped me. Now I really don't want to see dogs. So they're going to react even bigger because, hey, stay away from me. I don't want to get hurt. So we're not conveying what we think we are and we can be causing our dogs aggression and reactivity to ultimately get worse because they're trying to avoid pain. That is so important. And I, Oh, yeah, that's so important. And I think it's so valuable to understand that, you know, tools exist. And this is in any realm of the world, any specific subject or niche, like, oftentimes, there are tools that are out there. And just because it's a tool that is designed for a specific situation doesn't always mean it's the best tool or even the right tool. You know, there are inventions, I'm not, I'm not, you know, thinking of many off the top of my head, but I'm sure there are things that have been invented, like the guillotine, like that was invented. That's a very harsh example, but like that was invented. I don't know, probably something like for livestock, but then it got turned into something that can be really bad and really negative, right? Like just because a tool exists doesn't mean we have to, or even should use it in so many circumstances. So that's a great, great reminder. Um, the last question that I have for you, again, I didn't quite prep you on this, so I'm not putting you on the spot. If you could kind of convey one thing about aggression, whether it be, you know, a misconception that you hear a lot or something that people just don't understand, like what's one thing you would want to add 
or any additional thing you'd want to add for people who are trying to better understand reactivity and or aggression? I would like people to know that they are two vastly different things. Um, there's reactivity and aggression. Um, they can work together, um, but just because you have a reactive dog doesn't mean you have an aggressive dog because I find um, aggressive, aggressive, excuse me, is um, a label we slap on our dogs for anything nowadays. Um, and it's just not the case. Um, you probably don't have an aggressive dog. You probably have a reactive dog. Um, so don't get too caught up in the labels. Um, a professional trainer will be able to help you regardless of the label that you have tried to put on your dog. I love it. That's a great, great additional piece. And it's, it's a good, good place to probably wrap up the episode of, um, you know, Again, we're going to emphasize it. I know, Karen, you've said it a few times. I'm going to say it again. Getting the help of a professional and someone who has experience specifically with these topics is so, so important. You know, obviously, Karen can't come to everyone's house across the country, unfortunately. But, you know, the she is advocating not necessarily for you to go find her, you know, if you're in your area, great. Like there will be links to her and we want you to reach out to her. But at the end of the day, and I think that's so important to remember that as a, as a trainer, myself, as a, as a pup parent, like we need to do what's best for our dogs and we need to do what is necessary for them in their situation. And in so many cases, it's getting the help of a professional, you know, even with, I think for some reason, there is a weird kind of stigma with even outside of aggression, there's this stigma, well, I can train my dog on my own or, or you know, I, I, I don't have time to go to a trainer. And for some reason, we, we sometimes downplay like the importance of a professional trainer, which is so funny because you wouldn't do that with anything else with your dog. You know, if you if your dog was sick, you wouldn't just take them to your neighbor who also had a dog who got that same sickness. You would take them to a vet who could specifically diagnose it and give proper medication, those types of things. So I think it's so important to, you know, not to, to use professionals because they have the experience. Like, you know, I didn't want to do this. I would have never done this episode on my own because I am not a professional when it comes to, you know, aggression. It's not something that I understand well enough. So on that note, thank you so much again, Karen, for coming on. I learned a lot and it got me thinking on a lot of different things and, and, you know, a lot of things that I probably need to even re kind of train myself for in my brain with how I, I look at, you know, aggression and or normal dog behavior. So thank you so much for, for coming on the episode today. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun and I love talking about this and I love helping uh, all the dogs out there. So thank you so much. Yeah, of course. And like I said, we will put links where you can go connect with Karen. We'll have links to all of the things, website, Instagram, all the different places that you can go, you know, check out what she, the content that she's putting out. Um, you can, you know, send her messages, get in contact with her uh, and, and just be able to, to learn more from her. So thank you again for listening, everybody. We really appreciate you coming on for this episode. If you haven't already, please leave a review, especially on Apple Podcasts. It helps this podcast get more exposure. If you're finding value in this, I would really personally appreciate if you could leave a review because it helps other pup parents 
find the podcast more easily. Um, So yeah, that's all we have for today's episode. And other than that, we will catch you on the next episode. Thank you.